I'm Mike Sheridan and this is The Dell. Hey there, my name is Mike Sheridan and you're very welcome along to another episode of The Delve. My guest today is comedian Paul Verzi. Paul is the host of the podcast The Verzi Effect and co-hosts another one with the great Bill Burr called Anything Better. He also has a very funny new Netflix special that is now streaming on the platform. Nocturnal Admissions is a blast and should see the stand-up comedian catapulted to the next level in his already impressive career. This is one of the longest conversations we've had in a while on the show and takes in everything from the current US political situation, term rapport and how longtime friend Pete Davidson ended up directing the Netflix special for him. Don't forget to like, subscribe and or review depending on how you're consuming the delve. It's all very much appreciated. Enjoy the chat with Paul Verzi. Support for this episode of The Delve is brought to you by Manscaped, who are best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code DELF at manscaped.com. I've used the 3.0 lawnmower version before, and I'm excited to give the 4.0 performance package a bash. You've also got the weed whacker, nose and ear trimmer in there too. As a man who grows increasingly gray in hair quite quickly in every direction, these products are a must. I've even used the Manscaped boxers that come with the performance package while working out and they're actually insanely comfortable. So again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code DELVE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code DELVE at manscaped.com. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Enjoy the episode. Soundproofed and everything, I like it. Shit keeps falling off my wall. So I I don't have a nail to actually put that in properly. Like it's ridiculous. I know, I know. We all try to turn into freaking engineers during this shit. You got COVID pretty early on, right? You got COVID in March in 2020. I got COVID, COVID, man. Like the, it was scary only because we started hearing in New York that like hospitals were filled up and I didn't even know that you shouldn't be on a ventilator. So I was going shit. Now that I have this is, I hope there's a ventilator for me. Meanwhile, it was like a lot of times hurting people. Yeah. So, but luckily, um, yeah, it was really weird to call your doctor and have your doctors be like, yeah, we don't know. Like, what's going on? Tell us. Like, I was telling them information about what I like, like he was just like writing notes about what I had. And I'm like, oh, this is this is kind of fucked up, dude. Like if if I'm telling my doctor because the doctor was actually going to the hospital, studying it and talking with other doctors, learning about it. So he was gaining information for me. OK, you lost your smell and taste. How long has it been? And I'm going, dude, if this thing takes a turn for the worse, my doctor doesn't even know about it. But luckily, um, it went through the family and, and we were all good. Thank God. It's this thing where science kind of evolved in real time. And that hasn't happened before, at, yeah. least, at least in recent history. But myself, and my girlfriend, who's my camera operator here, uh, we were in New York recently and we met some friends over there and they were saying, oh, yeah, they were doing the whole mass grave thing and, and they were thinking they're going to have to do mass graves in um, Central Park. So everybody was terrified. They were like, we won't get off the island. 
<laughs> yeah, dude, when I, I was hearing like mass graves, no funeral, no family there. And you're just thinking like I was just in my guest bedroom and I told my wife, I said, you know, I want to stay because I was the first one to, to get it. So I want to stay away from my wife and kids and just be in there. And I would have coughing fits, not really bad, but usually at night. And my fear was, am I going to wake up at three o'clock in the morning, not able to breathe, breathe and have to go somewhere and never come home. So it was a little, it was a little, um, you know, it was unnerving because it was so new. Um, but you know, and then losing the smell and taste was weird because we would like, my wife would pull out like a nice bottle of red wine and she was like, Oh, this is a really good one. And I didn't know yet that I couldn't taste so I'm going, this tastes like shit. What are you talking about? Good. This is fucking horrible. And she was like, and I was like, it tastes fizzy and doesn't taste like anything. And she's like, Paul, this is a really quality bottle of red wine. And then that's when, that's when I started to realize like, oh man, I have this thing. I think every comedian must've got it at this point. You travel so much. We got it in JFK. Are we going to pinpoint the moment we got it coming back in JFK just by looking wow. around the queue? Just by look, looking around the line, <laughs> we're like, we're getting COVID. Came back a week later, had symptoms. It really kicked in. But it's going to be inevitable, right? You were kind of lucky to get the antibodies early on. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I, I talk about that in my special where I, I was able to go and travel and work my hour even more because places like Georgia and Texas and Florida who like half gave a shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like they were just like I remember you want to laugh Mike this is so this is no bullshit dude I'm in Florida with my buddy and this is like pandemic still kind of going on and he goes hey man let's go to my buddy's bar in Florida because I, I was doing the West Palm Beach improv and he was in town visiting his mom because man you know what 1130 let's meet up come to my mom's house we'll go out we'll go to my buddy's bar taking care of the whole thing. So I'm like, all right, man, I'm in Florida. I haven't seen my buddy. Let's go. Let's go. I was like, you know, I'll be careful. So I show up, you know, dressed decent. I have a mask on. There's like 350 spring breakers packed in this bar, not one mask. And I go and they go, they look at me and they go, he goes, what the fuck you doing? Go, what are you doing? <laughs> he goes, take your fucking mask off. dude. They, they, you know? And he goes, nobody gives a fuck down here. And I'm like, I, I don't, I know nobody cares. I don't want to get sick. Like, I know nobody cares. And I know you guys. And he goes, nah, dude, it's, it's, it's fine. But he just acted like, no, it's fine. And we, you're not going to get it. And even if you get it, you're fine. And I, and that's when I realized I was like, oh, there are definitely, and I love Florida, but there are different parts of the country that treated it differently. Um, but it allowed me to go out and do like 50% capacity in clubs and, and really work, work the material. So in a way getting COVID as early as I got, it was, was somewhat of a blessing, I guess, professionally. When did you, when did you shoot the special? I shot the special before the holiday. I shot the special dude, like late September. Really, really. And it's amazing. It's amazing. Like I was just going to say, cause Netflix is the bar now, right? So like listening to the Verzi effect, listening to your podcast, it's a recent thing that Netflix have kind of announced or is it a recent thing that Netflix have come on board to distribute it? Um, no, uh, we knew it's kind of what happened was um, I was very fortunate to have people love it and have, you know, and have interest. But Netflix, Netflix, you know, it's a blessing to be with them. They wanted it. It was just a timing thing because they have a lot of stuff coming out and they have a festival coming out and stuff. So they had the festival. So, um, yeah, they were like, look, we're going to put it out uh, this week. It'll be out. I mean, they told me months ago, but we just had to wait a little bit because they had, so much was going on. So 
it was crazy to know and not be able to tell people. Uh, and they're like, is it coming out? Yes, it's coming out. You know, <laughs> yes, it's going to a good place and all that. But I couldn't say anything. But um, no, man, I'm, I'm really I feel blessed and humbled that that Netflix, um, you know, is putting this out when they said that they feel this special belongs on there. That felt really, really good. And um, yeah, man. So so here we are, June 23rd. It was like nine months. Normally specials come out anywhere from like three to five months. But because of everything that went on, it was a, it was a little longer. But but now I'm noticing that a lot of people that did shoot in the fall are starting to come out now. So that's kind of more a common thing, too. They're kind of becoming the kind of go-to space. They're becoming the hub for the best of the best in terms of comedians where, you know, back in the day, I suppose, in the 80s, it would have been Johnny Carson. And then to a certain degree, it kind of became HBO. And then like Joe Rogan's the place where you go to be the guest to kind of amplify yourself. But Netflix is, it's this hub because they really seem to support their comedians as well and really value their comedians. Yeah, Netflix, it, that's the thing. It's like to have the number one place on the planet to showcase stand-up say that they wanted my special that that's what meant a lot because it was like they watch so much and they see so much and they probably have to say oh we like this but i don't know or yes or maybe here so for them to do it man it was like it's um and and you know i know i don't want to sound corny and shit you know um and i know you irish guys are like oh fuck off <laughs> We hey, have that's, answer, yeah. that's what I learned. That's what I learned about Irish and German dudes is anything sentimental you guys can't handle <laughs> any, any kind of love or emotion. There's always some sort of like, ah, fuck off with that, you know? But um, I really did envision this when I shot it that night and I felt it. I was like, man, if this thing could get eyeballs, I think that this thing could do something. And uh, you know, and here we are. So um, I'm, I'm very, very excited. Your kids sound like they're absolutely hilarious. Have they, they are. have they seen it yet? You should, have they seen any of your stuff? I know you've obviously gone viral on TikTok, TikTok and stuff too, which is where all the kids are. Uh, yeah, you know, my kids were actually at my taping that night and they, awesome. were in the, they were in the very back. And I told my wife, I said, look, when I start getting going and cursing and ranting, you got to take them in the back. You know, you take them in the green room. I said, but towards the end when I'm ready to wrap up and I'm on my last joke, which is about my son and I playing basketball together. I said, you know, you could bring them out. And, you know, he was a little nervous, my son and my daughter was really excited. She's just like, they're so different. She's like, why? This is what he does. And my son's like, I'm nervous. I don't want him to, I, I don't want them to not like him. And, um, but no, man, they're, they're so supportive and so cool. They, they, you know, the, the Netflix thing is up now. So you could see the trailer on Netflix and like, they're in the house seeing that. And, you know, they're, they're like to them, it's like surreal because we watch Netflix as a family and they go and you scroll and then, you know, they see their dad on the page and they're just like, uh, I saw my son kind of take it in, which is which is really cool. But they're super funny. They're super supportive. So it was good. We had a great Father's Day, too. It was awesome. Lovely. And Pete Davidson's on board. He directed it. Uh, I know Burr has produced your last special as well and, and is on board producing this one too. Uh, how did Pete Davidson come about to, to direct this one? Well, as far as like the producers, all things comedy, which is, you know, Al Madrigal, uh, Bill Burr, Mike Bertolina. After they did my first one, I was like, we're sticking with them. You know, all things comedy does a bunch. So I was like, we're, I'm sticking with these guys. These guys are not only friends, but they know what they're doing and they have the right production people behind them, dude. Like, Matt Schuler, like all these guys, like they're, they're cause they did now they've done so many that they kind of know exactly what they're doing. And I liked working with people that I worked with on the first one where they know kind of what I like. 
and the things that I so so that that was really easy. As far as Pete, Pete and I have been friends since Pete's been 16. And, you know, Pete did the Verzi effect when he was 18. And 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 we've just been people were like, who's this young kid you put on? And I'm like, no, man, this kid is really fucking cool. And so um, Pete was like, I'll direct it, you know, and he's just running around his busy SNL takes so much time, you know, but he he made sure that he listened to all the jokes. He would talk about the jokes. He would call me after listening and be like, all right, this. And Pete is so fucking smart that he saw the set once. And then when he was in the control room during the shooting, he would be like, all right, guys, he's about to lean in. So I want the camera to come in. And he and people were just like, wow, like for a guy that that just really kind of saw it once because we're so busy. But he kind of heard about the joke. He saw it once and got it. And, um, you know, he he's the best man. And, and that guy, I'm going to tell you something. And, and he is one of the coolest most down to earth, misunderstood dudes, just because he's, you know, he's a famous guy. He dates famous people. He's on page six all the time, but you sit down and talk to that guy and you know, he, he's one of us. So I, I fucking love Pete, man. Like Pete is, I'll tell you a cool story about Pete. So it was a rare weekend where I didn't have, I was off on Saturday. I was just off and I was just home. My family's sleeping and I'm outside smoking a cigar and I'm just scrolling through my phone. Who could I call? Who could I call? So I go, let me see what Petey's doing. So I call Pete, phone's ringing. And all of a sudden he answers and he goes, hello. And he answered like that. And as he did that, I go, oh shit. I go, what's up? And he goes, oh no, man, I'm just at work. I look at the phone. It's 1145 on Saturday <laughs> night live uh, on Saturday night. So he's, uh, he is on Saturday, on the set of Saturday night live during Saturday Night Live on a live fucking taping. And I go, oh, shit, dude. I didn't even realize what Tom saw. I go, what the? What are you fucking answering for? What are you, nuts? And he goes, no, dude, I just want to make sure everything's okay. That's who That's who Pete Davidson is. He He's like, if, you know, so he's he's the best, man. So anytime I hear shit like that, but he, um, he became a fan of mine when he saw me when he was you know, like 16. He saw me opening up a show at Caroline's or hosting a show. And he was just like, man, I want to do that. And then I would see him at clubs and be like, who's this young kid, you know? And we just became friends and, and I became a guy that he loved to watch and that's it. So it came full circle. He wanted to be a part of it. He was a part of the first one, but this one he was like, cause he actually wanted to direct the first one. And then we ended up going another direction because of things that happened. And then he was like, let's, and I said, let's do this one. And he was like, great. So it was cool, man. Important is it to have a comedian actually direct it and to get those beats and to understand the timing and you know it's it's I would say it's a very unique thing to direct a comedy special because but there does seem to be a lot of comics I know Chris Rock does it a lot too. Yeah, um, Bo Burnham, Bo Burnham did Chris Rock's and he just did recently he did um, Gerard Carmichael's. Um, so yeah, I think it's starting to happen more. I think that uh, Pete really enjoyed it and wants to do some other comedians and and put some stuff out there. So, yeah, I think what's happening is comedians are seeing the people that they like and they're like, fuck it, let's do a special. And it also gives them some behind the camera experience and and production experience as well. And in terms of I don't think people work harder. I don't think people, first of all, I don't think people realize how hard you have to work as a comedian outside of being on the road constantly yeah. or going and putting in the hours to get a special writer, to get your material right. You, know, you host two podcasts yeah. and they can, you've got over 600 episodes of the Verse Effect and about 65 well, yeah. to one So the level of consistency there has to be frightening no matter how you feel, no matter how sick you are, you have to get up and do it, right? 
Yeah, that's actually that's actually the funniest thing you said. I never thought that I would be the reason putting myself with this stress. <laughs> normally, you know, normally it's some shitty job that you hate the boss and it's a it's a it's a cubicle or a shitty office and you get one hour and you're like, God, why am I doing this? But I'm putting this on myself. But I love it because once you know, once I turn the lights on, the cameras and the mic, and I'm either talking to Burr and we're talking shit about sports or something that's going on in the world, or I go on my rant about how cyclists drive me nuts and, you know, all kinds of shit like that. It, it And then, you know what the coolest thing about it is, Mike? I'll be maybe tired, right? Or like just have a, you know, I got my kids and stuff and I'm, I'm you know, it's a long day, whatever. And I just want to chill out and I'm just finally tired and I'm like, I'm enough. And then all of a sudden somebody will reach out and go, hey, man. Your thing got me through the day. I was having a, that was the funniest shit. I totally feel the same way about bicycles. Thank you for the great content. And then I'm like, all right, you know what? You know, stop being a dick, you know, toughen up and, 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 you know, you could have a tough day, but it's resonating with the people. And, and that's really, you know, the coolest thing that I get is when people are like, man, you seem down to earth and real. And I'm like that for me, that's like, that's all I want to do is just do that. Be me. That must be the best feeling in the world to get people to reach out to you that consume your content, that be it stand up, be it a podcast, to say that it changed them in some way or that it affected them in some way, even if they're trolls and they fucking hate you. You know, it's yeah. like you've you've had an impact on somebody and there really can't be anything bigger than that in an individual sense. Yeah. And, you know, Tiffany Haddish said something amazing about trolls and haters. She goes, even if somebody hates on you, they're taking time to tell you that they're 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 wasting their minutes and their day to go fuck him i don't like him or i don't like her and and he i don't like that and who does he think he is and screw you know you know like even if i would it's like okay so i said something you didn't like and you took the time to tell me that means like you said it's resonating but what's crazy dude is i had somebody be like dude you saved my life you saved my life and I was on the depression thing and I was talking about the depression and I was, you know, the anxiety and the depression and the, and the mental health stuff. And somebody's like, dude, you got me through it. You saved my life. And, and one dude kind of indicated like you saved my life in a way like I, I, I didn't know if they were he was saying he was going to hurt himself or if he was just a miserable person. But I'm sitting there going like my dumbass, like my fucking stupid ranting bullshit. You know, but when you hear that and somebody becomes a loyal fan that listens every week because you said something that relates to them or they've been so fucking depressed that they don't feel like they could go on. And when they hear a comedian that they like, say it, they go, oh, I guess it's OK and normal. That to me, that's like, dude, what? Else? I mean, that's as that's as good as getting a laugh like or having them, you know, love what you do. So that's when I started to realize, oh, shit, we're, I'm, I'm doing something here. It's a testament to being authentic, I think, too, right? For you to speak out about that stuff and to talk about it. So I've had Bob Burnham on the show before. Back when we used to do these things in person, and he's somebody as well, you mentioned him earlier, he's been very honest about that stuff, too, and talking about the anxiety of going on stage. You know, Bill Hader talked about it with SNL, too. But it's a sense of authenticity, that, and I think that's what people relate to. I think with, with comedians especially, but with you, uh, obviously, too, and that's why they're reaching out to you, right? Yeah, I think there is the vulnerability, the vulnerability and like seeing that, like you can feel like shit and be depressed and have anxiety, but still kind of be OK and productive and go about your day when it takes somebody that you like to tell you that instead of your family or somebody that, you know, is going to tell you that it, it makes it, it probably makes it easier. And, 
And I know it did for me. Like I was, I was having really bad, especially coming up, man, with shit that happened. I, I OCD would hit me and, and I'm like, I'm going, what's wrong? Like, what is, what is this? Why am I stuck with these thoughts or why am I, why can't I just in either enjoy something or move on without getting stuck? And then you realize other people have had it. Other people that are very successful had it. Other people that are, and I almost think it, 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 it's part of why it helps creatively in a weird way because your mind, even though you have that shit, you also get some other cool shit. So it's almost like the bath, the balance. I think, you know, it's like, look, man, you go out and you have a good time and you drink all day and all night, you're going to feel like shit the next day. Probably the same thing. Like you have some mental issues that aren't so good, but it probably does things the other way. And if that's going to make me creative or actually make me, you know, able to kind of hone it into something positive, I'll do that too. But that's the drive element of it as well. Like you're talking about how hard comedians yeah. work and having yeah. to get on a road and having to go to a different state and do these 50% capacity gigs in Texas or Florida, wherever it is, right? It's almost a drive because it gives you something to work towards and gives you something to focus on. Yes, that, that's that's 100% true, man. It, it, it's and, and I've learned about it and myself. When you, when, you, when you know about it and you could feel it coming, I remember talking to somebody and I, after I talked about depression in my first special, I'll say this, somebody like, man, you hit a chord with me, man. And they gave me a hug. And, and, and then I said, oh, thanks. And they were like, yeah. And when it, when it happens again, or when you feel it creeping up, you got to just nip it in the bud. Like it's almost like you feel the evil or the enemy coming and you gotta, that's when like, so I'm able to, so it's almost like I had to have that breakdown. I had to have, be in that mentally shitty place for three months that I was years ago to now kind of know how to fight the enemy better. I know the enemy better, you know? And more kind of broadly speaking, in terms of, I always say as well, anytime I speak to comedians, it's that you guys have so much of a sense of what's going on in America. Because obviously I'm in Ireland here, we're a small enough country, about five and a half, six million people. That's right. barely a state in America. Yeah. That's, that's barely a, a town in America. But you guys have always seemed to have an innate knowledge of what's happening especially obviously touring comedians. And I know, you know, Trump's not in office now, but it was, it was comedians that were kind of going, this guy is, they had a sense from speaking to people on the road that this guy could be coming into power, that things were kind of leaning that way, that people were a little bit disenfranchised. Do you feel you've got kind of a broader understanding of America, like in a, in a, in a bigger sense? Yeah. Well, what I, you know, the thing about me and I, I can't speak for all comedians, but for me, Comedy and doing this job has really opened my eyes to everybody because I'm traveling. I'm traveling to different states, but I'm also traveling to the South where there's a certain mindset, to, to middle America where there's a certain mindset, and then to the West Coast where there's a certain mindset. And I'm able to talk to intelligent people in all of them because, and there's fucking morons in all of them too. <laughs> they're, they're as dumb and shitty in all of those places as they're great in all of those places, right? Same thing with New York. You come to New York, you'll meet a guy who's fucking great and you'll meet a fucking absolute asshole moron. It's, you know, but doing that and having this job, let me realize that there are people, it's too much absolute. It's too much this way. No, no, man, you come down to these parts, it's this way or this. It's like, no, man, like I'm able to see it differently. So when I did my Trump joke, I would have liberal and conservative people go, hey man, I didn't know where you were going there, but you told the line good. And I, 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 I got the joke and I enjoyed the joke instead of taking a side because I was at a comedy show once and this comedian came on stage in New York, which is liberal. 
and goes, man, fuck Trump. I hate Trump. This is bullshit. And the crowd was like, almost like, what are you doing? Even people that agreed were like, what are you doing? This isn't what we like. It, it was it was a silly thing where what you could do is you could make fun of it in a clever way or or, you know, or say that you like them in a clever way to make the people that think against it or don't believe it open their mind in a way. So that's what I think comedy should do. It should make if I say something you don't like, but I have a good point and, and I kind of make it funny. If that makes you open your mind to go, oh, OK. You know, like I'm kind of I'm, I'm kind of joking about Joe Biden now in New York City. And I'm you know, I'm talking about him in a certain way. And I could tell people that voted for him <laughs> don't like it. But by the time I'm done, they're laughing hysterically because they can't deny what I'm saying. And they know that there's really no malice in it. Um, so I think as a comic, I learned how to do that instead of just kind of say one thing to make some people go, well, I don't believe that. And then other people go, I do. Because then that's just the norm anyway. Right. Like. That, that's what we that's what people do. So, um, yeah. And I think the thing with Trump was. I think that people, you know, even though Trump is has his things and he says some things and his pride and ego and all that, I think the country at the time was just so tired of the same just lying politics. And then here comes this guy it's like the saying, circuit breaker. Yeah. Saying wild shit. Exactly. Circuit breaker. It was just this totally like disconnect from what the norm was and, and everybody's throwing their hands up going, well, fuck it. Let's try this. Then I think that that, I think that that's what it was, which is a big tell sign that America was in a place that, you know, something needed to happen. I don't keep you too much longer, Paul, but something that always kind oh, of good, strikes, man. something that always strikes me about the, about the States is when people talk in these, cause you mentioned absolutes earlier. And when people talk in these senses of left and right, I yeah. can't wrap my head around that because it just seems like this weird toxic tribalism that, you know, your values might align with one there are nine things that one side says, but it's more than the other side. That sense of sides to me just blows my mind because, it's, and I've had a lot of political people on the show and I've put it to them too. And it's like, yeah, that's a silent majority. I'm like, we're well, just putting them in a group now. <laughs> it's so strange. It's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And I've never seen somebody that's really strong one way. I, and I have family members, both, you know, my wife's side is a certain way. My side is a certain way, but I've never seen somebody, Mike, that is so strong one way ever go, ever go. You know what, though? I kind of see their point there or all right on that issue. I agree. It just doesn't happen because the media, the fucking media in this country has made you choose a side, has made you draw a line in the sand. To the point where that's why people with me are like people get mad at me because they're like, I don't know what the fuck this guy believes, you know, because I'll be like, yeah, I think you should be able to own a gun. But I also don't think somebody mentally ill who's 18 years old should be able to get uh, something that the United States fucking military has. This kid could go into a fucking, you know, a Starbucks and then walk into a Target and get something like that. So I don't think that 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 person should get a gun because they're mentally ill. I think that that person should be checked. Now, if it all checks out and they can get a gun, okay. But how about just make it a little harder? That's what I said. I go, how about the gatekeeper is a little harder for some of these things? Because if you look at other countries where it is, and this is not happening, doesn't it make sense to make a fucking adjustment? You know, after 9-11, we took our shoes off now. Now, every time after 9-11, my shoes are coming off, my laptop's going in the thing, I'm sitting there, I'm taking my, I'm doing a whole fucking thing, fine. But we made an adjustment. These kids are getting killed here. 
And I'm a guy who is is for you to have guns. But I'm also saying something's fucking broken here. So can some adjustment happen? Can 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 we can somebody look at them and be like, oh, what do you mean? It's it's our it's all right. That's morally wrong to do that. And it's like, oh man, you're not, you can't even be talked to. You can't even be talked. You don't even, you don't even want the problem solved. You would rather your point be right and you would rather stay in your thing than actually try to solve the problem. And that those are people that I can't talk to because if you're not willing to have a conversation, you just care about your argument, then that's that's crazy to me. It's like, what the hell happened to common sense? What yeah. happened? Because that's not middle ground. That's uh, You have to approach, especially conversations like that, with a sense of willing to be wrong. And that's how I try and approach every single conversation. And I've had some back and forth with people about Trump as well. And, you know, I don't have any absolute belief in anything because I probably don't know everything. I'm fairly certain I don't know everything, but it is. A, yeah. It's like this common sense thing, right? It's common sense, man. It's like you don't have to love a politician. You could even hate one. But... And taking this always one-sided, one-way thing always is just really, you know, really ignorant. And that's why what I like to do with comedy is I like people in the room to go, wait, he's this way. And then all of a sudden later in the set, oh, no, wait, is he this way? Oh, and then by the end they go, no, he's neither way. He's fucking around. He's telling jokes. <laughs> he's telling jokes because it says comedy fucking club. That's what it is. I'm not here to do anything other than make you enjoy your night while you're having drinks and me do it in the funniest, cleverest way I can possibly do it. And that's it. And unfortunately, there's just going to be some people that just, you know, don't get it. They will pay tickets to a comedy show, pay tickets, their money here, sit down and be pissed. And I'll never for the life of me fucking understand that ever. I even said, I go, there should be, there should be like a disclaimer from the ceiling to the floor that just says, you're going to hear this. You're going to hear things about disease and drugs and politics and this and that. And if you get upset about any of those things, fuck off. That's it. <laughs> fuck off. Don't just get the get out, save your money and time, save grief to the club and the comedian and go about your go bowling, go to the movies with your family. And, you know, but people will pay a ticket act like they're going to have a good time, grab their drink and then walk out pissed off. It's not as much anymore, which I love. I hopefully the pendulum is going the other way. It's funny because um, <clears throat> I saw you. So you, you went for Bill in Prague, right? You and you did the European tour. I did. Yes. That was yeah. actually the last time we worked together. Me and Bill, I haven't worked for Bill and, and worked with Bill or open for Bill in about, it's going on like four plus years since I'm just headlining myself. And yeah. now I'm bringing, <clears throat> bringing some funny openers up myself. But one of the major last things we did was the European tour and, and Prague was like third to last on that list. I think. Because we were at the, we were at the Prague show. We flew over for the Prague show to see it. And it's interesting because that was happening on the way out. <laughs> somebody, somebody was on a date, obviously been taken and they were given out. And I was like, you know, complaining. And I was, I was like, why would you come? I, I can't wrap my head around that. It's so infuriating and I'm not on stage. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, you know, what was so weird about that tour was like, we would go to Budapest, Hungary, and it felt like America and we would go to like Austria and it felt like America, but then we were in other place, Estonia. And we felt like we were on another planet because it, uh, stand up just got introduced there. Do you want to laugh, dude? I'm in the green room and they go like this. It was hilarious. I'm in, I'm in fucking Estonia. All right. It, it, it was like this cobblestone streets. It was wild, small. And uh, all of a sudden they're like, Hey, just so you guys know, 
Stand-up was just introduced here like eight years ago. The whole art of stand-up is like brand new here. And I'm going, like, fuck, could you, you could have told me that after I got off stage, like, telling me that now, like, now, now I got all these people sitting in chairs. They don't even know what the fuck they're seeing. They see some bald Italian kid yelling at them. And it fucking, like, couldn't he have done that in New York? I'm fucking, dude, I go out there and I'm doing my thing and they're dressed to the nines like they're at a Broadway play. And I'm going, and, and it was really nice, actually, to see people like really, like really properly dressed and like, like they were literally at a Broadway play and I'm going, Oh my God, these people paid to, I'm going to just yell and do rants and do my jokes. And then Bill's going to come out. Like these people don't know what, like, you know, but you know, diehard fans of Bill, they loved what I did and it was just so cool, but it's, it was so new, but that's the thing. It's like, if you know that you're going to possibly hear something, cause look, if a comedian talks about drugs, Somebody in that audience has a loved one that died from drugs. If you're going to talk about disease, somebody had a disease. It's we're never you're never going to say something that every single person. And if you do say something that every single person agrees with, you're doing something wrong. It, it, because then it's like, what are we doing here? You know, yeah, the sky's blue. OK, like say something. And when you say something, some people are just going to be offended. But like I said, you just got to do it in a in a fun way. But yeah, it's, it's always weird when you hear people leaving going, why would they say that? Why? I don't understand. And it's like, yeah, it's just don't come next time. <laughs> well, the special is hilarious, Paul. Congratulations. And, and the, as, oh, our, as our as our bow podcast. So we hope to get to see you in, uh, in Ireland at some stage where, um, as we said, we're a dark old crowd over here. So um, we can we can laugh at the worst of the worst. We've been through it. Oh, dude, I every one of my friends from Ireland or that are Irish are seriously the best audience members. And uh, I'm looking to go there and I'm looking to go to the UK soon. And uh, hopefully after this special, we'll we'll get a, a tour out there. But uh, thank you so much for having me, man. Thank you for watching my stuff. I appreciate it, man. And uh, yeah, when I'm out there, let's go out. Let's have a good time. Awesome.